Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Reader beware, you're in for some R-rated scares. (laughs) Emphasis on the R in R.L. Stein. Yes, today we are reviewing Lee Yanyak's Fear Street Part 1, 1994. It is a trilogy event over the next couple weeks uh, over on Netflix, so... If you guys aren't familiar, uh, R.L. Stein, uh, the creator of Goosebumps and the aforementioned Fear Street. Uh, this is an adaptation of his Fear Street novels into three movies that will be released week after week. All take three consecutive place Fridays in, in July, yeah, which is a cool concept. And uh, I know they were planning on doing this before it got picked up by Netflix. At um, Fox. I think at Fox theatrically, yeah. right? They were going to do it month by month, which I think would have been. Uh, really, really cool, but this is still pretty cool. Um, it's kind of a, a summer slasher kind of event. Uh, so we'll be reviewing uh, all three films uh, weekly, um, starting with 1994, which is out uh, today, July 2nd on Netflix. Um, it stars uh, Kiana Madeira as Dina, Olivia Welch. So why did I say as Dina? I never do that. I never say people's character names. <laughs> uh, uh, Benjamin Flores Jr., uh, Fred Hershinger, um, who's popping up everywhere lately. Or is he Logan uh, Miller? Which I just watched uh, Escape Room as well. So maybe we can talk about that. Um, Ashley Zuckerman, uh, Jordana Spiro, Daryl Britt Gibson, uh, David W. Thompson, Charlene Amoya, Gillian Jacobs, Sadie Sink quickly, uh, and Maya Hawk as well, uh, and more. Uh, Eric, how are you? I'm good, Matt. I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, it's it's a Friday. Uh, as we're recording this, we're we're going into a long weekend. <laughs> um, I'm sure you heard because we live in the suburbs. Um, fireworks the other mm-hmm. night last and night. Just yeah. thinking about how ignorant. People uh, are, some people yeah. can be uh in society. i feel like a lot of people <clears throat> uh, for those of you who aren't canadian uh, <clears throat> canada day was uh july 1st which is yesterday as we're recording this um uh but la- like and depending on how you know pe- how much people fall it's hard to miss this kind of stuff but um there have been um numerous you know unmarked graves that have been found at residential schools throughout Canada um, throughout the last couple weeks. Um, and something that, you know, was kind of like a, a known secret in Canada for the longest time, but now it's just kind of starting. I mean, people have known about this stuff, but now they're starting to actually dig up these things and, and, and find them. So this year uh, there's been a movement to kind of, uh, you know, let's maybe not celebrate Canada day this year and maybe use it as a time to reflect and support um, our indigenous populations here in, in Canada. And um, so I didn't participate in anything yesterday. I, I, I kind of avoided all that and, and, and tried to use it to reflect and, and learn and read and respect um, all of that. So it, yeah, hearing people <clears throat> light off fireworks right outside my house, we have a big field behind us, um, was kind of like, did you do not like, I don't, we're very online people, right? Like we're yeah. constantly on Twitter. We're constantly, you know, uh, kind of reading about things. And I feel like maybe that's just not the norm for some people. So they might, you know, see this thing, see these things pop up on the news, but then not really give it unfortunately like a, another thought and then just kind of move on with their life and um and maybe not hear a lot of people talk about maybe we shouldn't celebrate 
Canada Day this year. Right. Well, Canada um, Day is also still being advertised as a, a day of celebration throughout mm-hmm. the media as well. Like, that's the other thing where, like, there is this weird kind of confusing sort of juxtaposition of, right. like, okay, well, you know, you still have companies and <clears throat> studios and, and you know, uh, marketing campaigns still promoting the Canada Day long weekend in Canada Day in general. So yeah. you have that. And then like you mentioned though, you know, like Canada's relationship to, you know, um indigenous culture and, and the community has always been the dirty secret that everybody already knows very well. It's just something that we yeah. don't like talking about, you know, like that's the thing. Like Canada as much as Canada is a great country and I'm great, I'm grateful to be Canadian oh, and totally, live in this yeah. country, you know, we're not exempt from racism and genocide and atrocities. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's just, especially again, cause you're in the suburbs and like, you're kind of expecting it more than like, say if you live in like a major city like Toronto, where I'm sure maybe that's not as prevalent anyways, where like people, there are not as many places you can light fireworks in a major city where in the suburbs, like you're mentioning, there's the big field and there's, there's more room to do that. It just, it kind of felt a little bit, um, again, sort of ignorant and removed from like what is going on. And it's like, you're just going to literally ignore something that's been, you know, talked about in the last few weeks. And again, was something that, you know, has been discussed numerous times and and have hasn't been sort of educated in uh non-indigenous schools really in 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 any yeah, sort of meaningful way all. yeah um that sticks and it just kind of feels like okay well you get to a point where you, you know you have to you have to make your own decisions as an individual of how you're going to deal with things and you cannot really ultimately sort of persuade anybody to change yeah. their mind you just have to you, present the facts and what they are and- exactly you can share like uh, you can share you know resources with people or or share something online just so people you know might click through on an instagram post to at least get the you know <clears throat> the bare minimum of knowledge that you probably need in this situation just to kind of be respectful to people but i mean yeah you can't control what other people are going to do you can just kind of take note and uh and and do what you got to do right and, yeah um yeah. So, I mean, yeah, let's, let's, I, I, I'm glad we, you know, talked about it off the top there and, um, and maybe we'll go into it a bit more on the, on the main show that we do. Um, cause it'll be coming out, uh, this long weekend as well. So, I mean, this really um, has nothing to do obviously with uh, the with review Street, other yeah, than like, I mean, if you really when we're recording to, it when this is coming out, yeah, you could say, okay, well, you know, like the, the, the story in this film is about a character like the, this town's dirty secret, but this is reality, obviously. And yeah, like, you yeah. have to think of it like, I you, think with this movie coming out this weekend, the day after Canada day, it's yeah. still relevant. Like again, our, our show is very, you know, conversational in the moment where it's not only about, you know, the movies we watch, it's about, you know, where we are, when we are, uh, how we're doing on, on top of, you know, and all that stuff affects how you watch films really as well. Oh, so yeah. I think it's all, kind of valuable right um but let's get into it yes today we are reviewing fear street part one 1994 um by what the a homie. year what a year 
Pulp yeah, Fiction I mean, and Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it was a great year. And Sarah yeah. Fear, terrorizing Shady Side. Yeah. So, uh, Eric, what is Fear Street uh, Part 1, 1994? Well, Matt, uh, as we talked about uh, at the top of the show, um, this is not your daddy's Arlstein. This is <laughs> – this is modern day Arl Stein. This is hard R uh, Arl Stein in the vein of uh, 90s slasher films. And what's interesting, we'll talk about it more in this review and also in, in 1978. Um, the film that it's most re- sort of referencing and resembling uh, in this case is Scream. Scream yeah. came out in 96, uh, the Wes Craven film. And that kind of you know redefined not only uh, the teen slasher film, but horror in general. Uh, At that point, horror movies um, were kind of at a plateau and that sort of film and that subgenre or sub slasher Mm -hmm. redefined, um, you know, an entire decade or the rest of the decade. So you got movies like, you know, I know what you did last summer and, you know, Valentine's day in in the early two thousands and urban legends, which are talked about on the regular show, which is now on Netflix and stars. Even something like final destination. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think we'll also, I want to talk about final destination in uh, the purge uh, review as well, because I think that those two movies uh, actually have something in common. um, That's interesting and worth talking about, but yeah, you got, a deluge of these, you know, slasher movies and they kind of all, you know, like you could look at them and sort of like break them down mm. in their mechanics. I mean, obviously Kevin Williams, uh, sin was, was kind of like the, the sort of, uh, the patriarch of all of this stuff, of all with, the scream stuff. Yeah, yeah. With all the writing sort of like the meta humor and sort of the references to yeah, other references, movies. Yeah. But I Which mean, it's kind of is doing, but not as like, blatantly in scream where it's referencing horror movies where this is just kind of taking from them. Yeah. And, and I mean, it is also interesting and worth noting that, you know, before scream, both, uh, Wes Craven's a new nightmare, which Kevin Williamson had nothing to do with, um, was also kind of like a proto version of scream where, um, you know, you had Freddy Krueger, like a real version of Freddy Krueger haunting, uh, the The actors and and the cast and crew of, of this new nightmare movie. He didn't want Which to get they made. did again in scream three yeah. as well. And even yeah. Jason lives, um, you know, the Friday, the 13th part six has this meta sort of breaking the fourth wall commentary of like, why do people like these movies? And it's the best of that franchise, I think, in, in my opinion anyways. So I think you need to have some of that context going into it. If you, if you're like a horror fan specifically, because the first sort of, half an hour of this movie is so front loaded and reference filled with sort of a lot of what made that genre, what it was in the late nineties, mid to late nineties. And so you have characters that are obviously archetypes and what have you. But I think one of my biggest problems with this film is that like, again, the first act of, this movie is where you have a group of kids, you know, living in this sort of cursed town of shady side, shady side, uh, where the town next to them, um, sunny, uh, Sunnyvale, Sunnyvale. And I keep wanting to say sunny Dale because sunny Dale is the name of the town in Buffy, the vampire slayer where they live on a Hellmouth. So if I say sunny Dale, I apologize. It's just that like, that's again, and it's, that is a, a, a direct reference. Like it's not 
hiding yeah. that kind of stuff. There's there's tons of it. I mean, they mention you know Jaws and things like that throughout this movie as well. Um, and and I may and and I'm going to regurgitate what I said in my Rogers review. Uh, Isn't that sh- just what you do on this show? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I sure do. But uh, shady shady side is to Shelbyville uh, as yeah, to uh, Springfield. Yeah, Springfield is to uh, uh, Sunnyvale. So yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what it feels like. And like there are moments where. I almost felt like the satirical archetypal characters and structure of, you know, this town being cursed by, you know, uh, a one handed witch uh, yeah. named Sarah fear. And like every 30 years or so, like Pennywise kind of comes back mm. to wreak havoc, but there's always been sort of crime and uh, a lot of problems within uh, Shady Side, and that's kind of like the opening sequence of this film that kind of sets the stage and and the opening uh, title credits. Yeah, um, very much uh, a blatant scream reference in that opening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even down to the point of casting, oh, of casting someone like Maya yes. Hawk, who's basically yeah. the Drew Barrymore of this, right? Yeah. But again, I mean, that's what scream is referencing is scream is, is referencing yeah. is is psycho with psycho, janet lee yeah, right yeah, yeah um i mean yeah to an, i think janet lee has a little bit more to do in in psycho than yeah uh, but but the whole thing was like you take this major movie star yes you put them on the poster you say that they're in the movie and they're and in it you, for 15 minutes and then they're killed right. off and then yeah. you know they and that was the thing with and, like drew barrymore where drew and that's barrymore not a spoiler was, everyone that's just the opening of the move it kind of is a spoiler it is story, but it but like, isn't because if you watch the trailer online like if you haven't watched the trailer we apologize very, yeah, that yeah. you know like we spoiled it but it's very um uh blatant that that that's what's going on that's why she was cast and i like that don't get me wrong like i and i like that in a meta nature of you know what scream was doing what this is doing with this coming out on netflix and being produced on netflix and you have someone like maya hawk who was a you know, a huge breakout in stranger things season three. And then you have Sadie sink being in season two. Like what I like is like the, the meta-ness of that, you know, what they're referencing in scream, which was very meta. Now they're trying to be meta of casting Maya Hawk in that role that is referencing scream. That's referencing psycho. Like, I think that's, that's really kind of fun is like, okay, let's take a quote unquote. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, put Maya Hawk in a, in a box and just say she is a quote unquote Netflix star. Cause I think she's more than that. I think she's great. Um, but because of her breakout on stranger things three and just, you know, uh, having a couple stranger things stars in this trilogy, um, I think is kind of really interesting to put her in that Drew Barrymore role in the opening. And I kind of dig that. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And also it's, it's, I actually kind of think it's interesting just in terms of like, you know, like Netflix, like sort of, taking actors that they've worked with in other productions and being like, Oh, yeah. we've got this role for this thing that did you want it? And I mean, that's like classic studio, you know, oh, totally. filmmaking of the 1940s and fifties where it's like, you know, like, a, like people forget that back in like that period in the forties and fifties, you'd sign a contract with, with the studio. studio. So the yeah. studio basically owned you. Um, now it's gotten better. Uh, it's not the, still perfect but like you're more independent contractors rather than an employee of a company (laughs) yeah you have an agent you have management you know like that's it's it's protecting you to allow you to do multiple things and that's why like the indie system kind of is is bigger now than it was in that period right where like every movie was made either by one of like the six original studio heads or, or companies um but going back again to the 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 horror genre and the horror beats and why i think like i had some problems 
yeah. with that initial sort of half an hour is it just feels so reference heavy that everything it's also referencing kind of feels like it's just surface level stuff. Like even sure. when they have nine inch nails closer, you know, kind of playing to kind of introduce the, the shady side mall. You're basically thinking the opening credit title sequence of seven, which is yeah. the remix of, of, of that song, you know? And, and then that's the other thing where like, you know, we've been hard and critical on Disney movies recently where like, even with Cruella, where like, you know, it, it, <clears throat> Disney is this huge conglomerate where they're able to spend tons of money on a soundtrack. And it yeah. almost feels like the same thing with Netflix here where it's oh, like, this oh, is, it was too much. And that first half of the movie, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Where it's like, we're going to take like every 90s, 90s song, song and beat you over the head with it. Yeah. yeah and throw <laughs> it in there. And like, there's one song that does not land at all no i think we're thinking of the same thing and it's the the nurse betty thing where it's with your town where like the joke is okay well it's a male nurse who may or may not be sort of may or may not be gay but like like the idea is that you're playing you know uh i can never be your woman by your town and it's just like and the way that it kind of like it almost is like this crash zoom kind of into him and you think like oh he's gonna be like um like a, a a kind of an interesting supporting character introduced later into the thing. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just really, I have a, one of my notes is just nurse Betty question mark. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like right away you think anyways. And I agree with you on the music. Like overall, I actually really enjoyed the movie. I thought it, it kind of, for me nailed the nineties kind of slasher vibe uh, with a supernatural twist, which you kind of get. And I know you could, uh, or I know what you did last summer and things like that. So uh, where scream doesn't necessarily have that part, but um yeah. And, and just for me, like loving, I never read the fear street books. Um, I don't know about you. No, I, I read, not. I was obsessed with goosebumps. Like I was RL, I, which a you lot of kids in, in the 90s, the like, uh, I was man. And so like, for me, I looked at this more and like, that's why I was surprised at the violence and the gore in this movie. I knew it was going to be R rated, but, um, to me, I'm like, oh, I remember loving the Goosebumps TV show. And I remember those two or three part episodes we would get, whether it's Haunted Mask or, you know, Night of the Living Dummy, things like that. Um, and that's what I'm like, that's what's in my brain in, in this is like, it's YTV, but now I'm an, an adult and it's R rated. It's <laughs> like, YTV and, on Netflix. Yeah, that's what I mean. And like, so I kind of like loved it for that. I'm like thinking of it as an R rated episode of the Goosebumps TV show. Um, and if I just think of it that way and, and it imitating all these nineties kind of slasher movie vibes, I'm like, I was all in on it. I thought the, the kills were creative and fun. There's an incredible bread slicer kill. Um, <laughs> that is just, I was not, and it's pretty mean too. It. Like and it's a really is mean spirited yeah. sort of like, especially with sort of who it's happening to and how late in the game that some yeah. of the more kind of, um grotesque kills happen yeah special effect like the splatter in this is 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 it's very violent and like and then i think that added to like i i i think with this trilogy and because you're going in different time periods like i never knew who would survive right like anyone could go at any moment uh, other than like there's the clear final girl kind of right but there's a uh, core cast of characters that it's kind of like it's setting up as like you know Obviously, in in this film, they're see, and this is the thing that's also bothering me. Like, I yeah. kind of feel like some of the the characters and the way that they're written and the way that they talk to each other is more of today than it is 
of 1994, where like you have characters that are more self-assured and self-aware, not that they're in a horror movie, but that they're, you know, they're in a world where they know like what basically they have going up against them, whether they come from sort of underprivileged backgrounds or have a, you know, abusive or alcoholic family members or are basically having to um, support their families uh, in their own means in the way that they kind of talk. Like it just, like you watch, you know, scream or urban legends or, or any of those films that came out. Like to me, though, like the writing wasn't as sort of sincere or thoughtful as this. Sure. Like it just kind of feels like that's where like the modern sort of voice is coming through a little bit too much where like, if this wanted to play it completely straight, but still kind of be meta, I think that the 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 characters would feel a little bit more of the time where they don't. They kind of feel a little bit I more I see what you're saying, man. Yeah, yeah, they feel a little bit like like okay, like this is like these are these are you can tell they're plucked teams. out of 2021 yeah and, and we put can put them in, in wardrobe and 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 things like that of the time and and what have you but and i agree with you that that that's what i i liked that it had the 90s slasher vibes but i totally agree with you where it, it didn't feel like it was plucked out of the 90s it does feel like someone is imitating the 90s like it didn't feel like period accurate to like like what i love is when movies are referencing is like oh if you play if you this movie just came out into the 90s it would fit there right where this is a little slick and a little like you said like almost too self-aware to the point of being modern but still being in the 90s and i totally get that and the music choices i wanted to jump on quickly too because i agree with you and i think that adds on to what you're saying where it's trying very hard to tell you like hey this is in the 90s to the point where you know some songs play for 10 fucking seconds like 10 seconds or 15 seconds like i wrote down one where it's like when they're on the bus and it transitions to creep there is no point of creep playing for 15 seconds before they transition to another song. Hey man, like, you got that Netflix just, money. You got to go with it. Well, that's you know? what I mean. But like, it's just, I, and, and creeps know, also just a, a, an overused song and overplayed absolutely, song. But point. like, and I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves in movies is a soundtrack that has no reason of just constantly changing and throwing another song in that doesn't fit the scene at all other than to say hey we're in the 90s so instead of using a score we're just gonna throw another 90s song for 10 seconds hey do you want some garbage only when only happen when it rains we'll throw that in there you know and that's what i mean so that stuff kind of irked me a bit even generally i liked the vibe of like the mall and then that stuff's cheap though in the sense that like that will always work for me like a 90s mall setting with neon lighting and and stuff like that is just very not all malls look like that either that's more of an 80s thing too but like um i just sex dolls yeah you know god um yeah so i I don't know i just vibed with that but like and then on, on on top of that, I liked the little nerdy references with the kid and the internet, the AOL messenger, and then him saying the Konami code as he's kind of, uh, which is up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Yeah, like so that's it's the a, main a, character, Dina's yeah. uh, brother, brother uh, yeah. Josh. Yeah, yeah, Benjamin Flores Jr. Um, yeah, so like I, I, I don't know, I and I liked the chemistry between the group of main characters. Like I, I Fred Hershinger, which we we kind of poked fun at. He's at the everywhere, top of the show. man. Like lately, he's been everywhere, and I like oh, him. Speaking he's just of Netflix like a, as well, I mean, even though again, though it was a Fox, uh, the the woman in the window, right? You know, a yeah. Fox production that was bought by Netflix after the fact. 
And we just saw him in Italian Studies, which we just covered at the Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah, he's also um, in the uh, uh, un- Underground, Underground Railroad. Railroad. Yeah. yeah. So um, News and, of the World. Yeah, news we of the World, yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, he's everywhere. Vox Lux, eighth grade. So like he's been popping up since 2018 and like a bunch of stuff. And I just think he has like a. Uh, like he's, he's doing Joaquin Phoenix. Like to me, he yeah. reminds me a little bit of like young Joaquin Phoenix. Um, a little bit like that style of acting where it's not bad. I don't think he's bad or anything. It's just, it's kind of like, he has that kind of like shy, but like there's something kind of like percolating underneath the surface. And like his character, um, is basically mm-hmm. sort of having to pull double duty and support his entire family and works at this yeah. grocery store. And like, there's like this one kind of joke that I actually kind of like that, you know, you see the employee of the month and it's him, it's just him on every five times, five yeah. times. And it, like that yeah. kind of, that kind of work. But like, I think where the movie begins to click, cause the other thing I wrote down is like, it felt like this movie like was written at times by an AI that took sort of like okay. the algorithms of, of a slasher movie of or whatever. teen slasher films yeah. of the nineties and kind of like compiled it all together to make this kind of one sort of like, you know, uh, awe-inspiring version of of that or like like the greatest hits version of it um but the thing is with it like i i i did find like it began to settle Mm -hmm. the the, the other thing i do like though is the score i think the score not the not the songs i think the score is the closest thing to feeling like you could take that score and you could put it into scream or you could put it into uh i know what you did last summer or i still know what you did last summer and it wouldn't feel out of place yeah where some of the characters in the dialogue do have a modern kind of sort of twang to them um but going back to where i felt that the film begins to settle in is when you have the characters working together to solve the problem or at least try to solve the problem and that's where like i think it begins to kind of take shape like i like the idea of you know the ghost being basically like a shark in jaws, like right. Bruce attracted to the blood, blood. And like, yeah, and yeah. leaving blood trails to sort of trap, you know, these ghosts that are after one of the characters. And I think that that actually um, works. And that's, that stuff also kind of reminded me and this movie as well, reminded me a little bit of it follows where it follows is also doing that thing where like, it's trying to kind of be, it's of the time, but it's also timeless in in a weird yeah, way. Yeah. And then again, like you have sort of these group of kids who really don't have any interaction with adults in any meaningful way outside no. of like an introduction here or there. Um, and they're kind of once. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, that also plays into also what the was genre. the bus driver doing during that scene? Oh, like the bus driver, not paying attention to what's happening at the back of the man, bus. He's got his like, own shit to deal with. Like, okay. Leave I'm this telling guy you, if, you if, if kids are throwing shit off the back, if of the they're bus, opening, like, yeah, if they're yeah, opening the back <laughs> like, of the bus and throwing, I'm pretty stuff. sure that bus driver is going to pull over and, and yell at these kids. Um, anyway, sorry. But yeah, no, Speaking no, no, no. of the adults in the movie. Yeah, but, but they're I mean, like Charlie kinda, Brown adults. <laughs> right, right. But that also plays into like a lot of horror teen films. Teen slasher movies, yeah. Well, teen slasher films, but even just horror movies in general where like parents and authority figures are never there when you need them. And when they do show up, it's always after the fact. Right after, literally Or it's right at the after. beginning <laughs> when they tell you that nothing is wrong and then everything that they tell you you know like it's all in your head and, and i it like isn't. that that's that's yeah yeah, it, it, yeah it plays on those tropes but i do feel like once it kind of gets into like we have like a mission to kind of 
resolve and we have to figure this out, that's where the movie really does start to sort of work a little bit better. And it kind of feels like it's getting more comfortable in its own skin. In that um, like third act or that second, third yeah, act? Yeah, second or? to third act. And then there's stuff that, I mean, we should also talk about like, gender roles and sort of flipping the script on sort of characters who you think they are and then sort of how it kind of plays with that and i'm being cryptic and i don't know if i have to be because like i feel like some of it is in the trailer but like that also kind of irked me a little bit at the beginning just because it kind of felt like you know like one of those early plot twists where it's like, I bet you didn't see that one coming, which also happens in plan B, but I thought plan B maybe executed it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, but but that's also dealing with, that's more so to deal with like actual relationships where this is more so like, you know, a horror film first and foremost, it's not a movie. It's not a drama. It's not that the characters can be well-developed or have an internal sort of life outside of, you know, being chased by, you know, a, a, one-handed witch but it just kind of felt like oh like that's like almost like you know the the first twist of the film where it's like you know you you, you're thinking that way but you should also be thinking that way and it kind of plays into um lee yeniak's sort of direction and sort of like maybe why she was kind of also interested in it because i look at her her first film that she did which i actually liked quite a bit uh honeymoon uh with rose leslie from game of thrones and what that movie did um is it played with identity in a very interesting way um in that it was kind of a riff on invasion of the body snatchers honeymoon is basically this couple that go on this honeymoon retreat in kind of a rural kind of cabin in the woods and something kind of funny happens to one of the characters that sort of, you know, they're not acting as themselves and it's also connected to the earth and the environment and the things around them, which again, also kind of thematically kind of connects to this a little bit where it's like, you know, underneath the surface of suburbia, there's this kind of like horror just lurking there waiting to sort of spring up at any time. But like the idea of identity sort of, having to be concealed or not concealed and sort of who a person is or who they project themselves as, I think is also sort of um, present in, in sort of the writing of this. Yeah, totally. Um, You talked about the hidden secret or the horrors of the town. And I kind of like the lore building in this. And I thought it did a good job to get me intrigued for the next two installments. Like very, this movie is, I think is self-contained, but it is very much part one of three. And it very blatantly sets up the next two movies, obviously, because that's the whole concept of them. So it does feel more like an episodic. That's why I kind of reference the Goosebumps, like two or three parter TV shows, because that's kind of what it feels like, but an extended, you know, very violent version of that, um, which I could see like you either need to be on board with that and and it could hurt or help this thing where if you're not on board with the lore and kind of the backstory of, you know, where this witch came from, it, it happened in the 70s, which is going to be the next movie. And it, it also originated in the 1600s, which we'll get that part of it, too. Um <clears throat> I don't know, but that stuff kind of worked. And I liked that you had, you know, the skeleton, sla- more classic slasher. You had the 70s style axe killer kind of thing. And you had these multiple kind of slasher villains that were all kind of. Yeah, you had like the teenage, like, like sort of uh, beauty queen kind of character. Yeah. And then with like, again, like obviously the, the, the axe wielding uh, 
sort of slash Jason, right? Yeah, it's or, Jason. It's Friday the Thirteenth Part yeah. Two specifically, which is, but also Sleepaway and, Camp and Burning, yeah, and which so, I'm sure the, the next movie, much like we're talking about, is referencing a bunch of '90s slashers. In this, will reference '70s slashers. Um, well, so, late like, '70s, early '80s, yeah, '80s, because yeah. Friday the Thirteenth specifically didn't come out until 1980, right? Right. right but it was right, also right. capitalizing on um you know halloween and black christmas sure. and then so also 70s 80s slash yeah and then I'm even sure bay of blood with the mario bava film which came out in the 1960s yeah so i kind of like that though and i just felt like the movie did a good enough job for me to um i know each movie will kind of have a different cast and stuff like that with you know some characters kind of being the connective tissue or framing all device of it, or framing device yeah showing the next segment um and I'm sure the third movie will be partly in the 90s and partly in the 1600s. But like, um, yeah, I, I just kind of thought the movie did a good job of kind of going, okay, part one of three. I'm intrigued for next week to see the second one. And and, and but then that could also hurt the movie. If you're not, then you're not going to check out two and three. But um, one thing I wanted to also bring up. Yeah. In that third act, I, I like, I, I totally agree with you, Eric, that it kind of, you know, finds its footing in that, in that second third act but there was one point where all the characters go into the bathroom and they feel like they need to have this like moment like this like each pair of characters or, or, last like, night on earth. yeah and i just like it felt so weirdly out of place and like they're being well, hunted it makes by sense these, it like, makes sense for, but but again like that also kind of plays into i know the like, horror genre of of like horny teens right? someone's like, trying to kill us but we're but we still need to horny. have sex it, it works i think the best for two of the characters because they already yeah. have a, a pre-established relationship yeah where the other pair and then the single person the, the single like, person i, th- I think funny. works because it's it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah um but the 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 other one just it's bizarre like it's yeah. just, it doesn't work at all like i'm like just, you guys they're literally coming to kill you right now yeah. <laughs> like i get there's an established thing with two of the characters so maybe you have a moment Did you guys not like, watch it follows oh yeah it yeah. falls and come out till much later <laughs> yeah so anyways that that was just one of those things that i was but like, that also happens in horror movies right like I the know. joke is with like friday the 13th you have the camp counselors having sex and then you know like they don't notice that this friggin you know hockey mask wearing maniac is right behind but are them. people doing it like after they know people are already being killed and stuff yes. like yes. really i forget oh, yeah. that, like, like it's, i mean usually like you you bring up a good point where it's like usually it's before sort of those events but that's what i mean yeah but like again it's playing into sort of like the 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 teen hormones of of just kind of it. being it. A, it was a just kid. one of those things that felt weirdly out of place in like this last act of the movie like i feel like you maybe could have had it a little earlier right um uh, Kia, also why uh, madeira uh mississauga born in toronto lives in mississauga nice um last thing um why would anyone live in this town (laughs) oh yeah i mean that's the that's the way that's the million dollar question right like (laughs) yeah it's almost becomes like a joke where like again mentioning shelbyville it's just like everything horrible happens in this one town where it becomes almost weirdly too comical where like you know, like why would Gillian Jacobs live in this town still? <laughs> right. Well, maybe we'll find out in the second yeah. in the second yeah. uh, installment. She's yeah, she's going to be a, a character. In yeah, because she's one. really just a voice on a phone in 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 this one, and that's about it. Um, but yeah, like Shady Shady Vale, and I, again, I keep wanting to say sh- uh, su- uh, uh, Shady Vale, uh, Sunny sh- Sunny Vale, Sunny Vale, because I keep wanting to say Sunny Dale because of and Buffy. Isn't Sunny Vale, the trailer park where the trailer park boys live. I'm sure, but but I think it is referencing 
Sunny Trailer Park Boys, yeah. Sunny Dale because of it being on the Hellmouth. Um but the whole time I was just thinking to myself like like even then like I wouldn't want to live that close. It'd be like living near Chernobyl, you know? Like it's like you're just like on the cusp of like this radioactive supernatural uh you know hub yeah. that basically <laughs> is like killing people left and right. Like it's just like maybe you just want to abandon the town. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But um, overall, I thought it was kind of fun, and um, I dug it quite a bit. And I'm in, uh, I'm intrigued uh, for parts, you know, two and three. So, and I thought it just kind of nailed that '90s kind of slasher vibe. I don't think it necessarily is doing anything incredibly innovative or or anything like that. But I think it's a perfectly enjoyable, like you know, uh, you know, weekend, you know, fright night kind of flick on netflix and like i think being on netflix really kind of helped the movie and let you know rl stein who usually writes books for you know kids and then fear street was for older you know in their teens and stuff like that but this also showcases like some of the sort of benefits of of streaming for a movie like this or a franchise like this now is because how i was putting it is like usually a movie like this would either have to go pg-13 or it would be r but then you'd kind of have to double like think about it being r because it's it's very clearly a teen movie like i think it is very clearly made for people between 13 and you know 17 but you had to be 17 to get into an r-rated movie or you had to sneak into it so i feel like why it can be so violent and nasty sometimes is because they don't have to worry about that at all they just go let's just make it r-rated we'll make it very r-rated and even though this is very much a teen movie that before we might have had to kind of work with the studio and maybe making pg-13 uh i mean we talked about movies that with those were all r-rated movies that were pretty much made for teens as well but this i just feel like you don't have to worry about that you know a 13 to 17 year old will able to just watch this on netflix and even though it's made for them you can kind of make it a bit nastier um and how and do you release was- these movies if they were theatrical films right like do you do you release them you know throughout the year or do you release them like i think like the rumor was they were going to do monthly but right. like but um, even then it's almost like i feel like it's better to do it this way where it's like three weeks in the summer mm-hmm. and like it's con- being consecutive it 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 kind of the momentum of of the films won't go away where like dissipate, i almost feel yeah. yeah where i almost feel like if you release the first one and it didn't <laughs> do well or it did okay and you know like say you released it in you know uh March or April. And then, you know, the next one comes out in June or July. It's almost like, okay, well, like between now and then you have all these other movies that are coming out and, you know, how many other ones are going to be horror films and things like that. So, you know, you're going to have a built-in fan base already because of R.L. Stein and because people are going to be intrigued by the selling point of it is R-rated R.L. Stein. But um, I think it is best suited for Netflix just in terms of yeah. like the way that they're able to roll it out. But also to your point where like they can be a little bit more gory and um, sort of not have to worry about censorship as much. Yeah, and I think that's why, um, you know, I, I think it's the perfect home for it, even though it was kind of originally one place. And, you could and say it's the perfect after. street for it. Hey, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I liked it quite a bit. I'm going to give it a two and a half, but I am willing to revise that rating after watching all three. I just felt like this first kind of piece of the puzzle um, overall kind of, you know, that first half just does not work for me as well as the second half. 
That's fair. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with uh, Fear Street Part 2, uh, 1976, correct? 78. Or 78. So okay. get your bathing trunks um, ready. It's time for summer camp. Oh, yeah, 1978. Thank you, Eric. Um, We'll be back with that next week. Um, But we do have uh, plenty of other reviews we would love for you guys to check out um, right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. We have reviews for another, you know, horror movie, The Forever Purge. Um, Sort of horror. The Purge movies have sort of turned into, like, action movies. but um, Like the Fast and the Furious movies. They started as one thing and now they're another. Kind of. Uh, Also review for Tomorrow War, Black Widow, uh, False Positive, Werewolves Within, The novice uh roadrunner um wolfgang fatherhood um 12 mighty orphans the aforementioned italian studies luca lots of stuff over here on untitled movie Review. we got so your content go check that hashtag con daddy's got your content for you um also please go check out our other podcast untitled movie podcast which is our flagship show where eric and i talk usually for way too long about what's going on in the entertainment industry uh we'll have a new episode uh soon talking about our tribeca experience talking about the upcoming uh tiff um 21 uh film festival and everything new trailers that came out uh what we've been watching things like that um news and and such um and please go check out conversations uh we have speaking if you're a fan of you know horror movies and things like that i think you'll really love this conversation we just had with phantom city creative uh which is a um uh they do uh, you guys probably know them from like i know them from mondo and making posters but they're like a, a a graphic design kind of studio that focuses on you know film and um and specifically genre stuff a lot of the time so uh, a wonderful co- conversation uh so please go check that out we're hoping to do more and more uh, conversations so um please go check that out as well uh drop us a follow on letterboxd at untitled podcast it's where you know we'll post updates and re- reviews and you know rankings and 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 our social links to everything else which is untitled underscore cast so please just go there it's a kind of our hub for everything um you can find everything untitled right over there on letterboxd at untitled podcast uh, drop us a review if you would be so kind and as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric martin you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time the only thing to fear is sarah fear herself